0: You won't use this message because you're a cowardly, spinalist piece of shit. You're a lying, lip tarted bastard, Jesse Dollarmore, you fat, fucking garbage piece of shit.
1: The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward.
2: This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is... I Doubt It with Dollamore.
1: Thank you for tuning in and welcome to episode 547 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and today I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page.
3: And the, well, number one, sick, but also number two, millennial.
1: Number one, sick. Yeah. Number two, millennial.
3: Well, I have to warn everybody. Should I add
1: that to the repertoire?
3: Well, just in case my... Performance is subpar. I want to make sure that everyone knows I'm blaming it on my illness that I currently right. have, which is a head cold. It's
1: preemptive excuse making.
3: Yeah, um, colorful juices flowing from the head, Ew, that yikes. kind of thing. Anyway, you're fine. It's Relax. getting that bad.
1: No, I'm, 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 I'm expressing lamentations for you. I'm not gross. That's gross. Oh. I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bummer. I didn't know it had advanced to that level. Okay. Cold down with the righteous indignation over there i know god damn
3: it's because i'm sick everything that i do wrong is because of my illness (laughs) uh (laughs) so yes but i am also a millennial and that is relevant because that's what we're going to talk about right now Um, everyone hates millennials. Not everyone. A lot of people hate millennials. I'm trying to break that habit where I do that. Everyone is. It's
1: like, well, you've just witnessed too much from Donald Trump.
3: It is. I don't know if that's the problem. What I
1: think everybody does. It's a joke. What I think a lot of people do is they use it as clickbait for headlines. Mm -hmm. Like, ah, millennials. Because I think they know millennials are going to be like, what the fuck? Click. You know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's reasonable. But millennials, people think of them as like kids, you know.
1: Uh, I think that we've just to start off whatever we're going to talk about here, because I'm kind of out of the loop. uh, Let's talk about let's define the age range of a millennial, because people oftentimes like Bill Maher is one of these dipshits. Oh, the millennials, eh, millennials, not understanding that millennials are almost 40 years old. Well, that, that extends the generational gap, extends all the way to people who are almost 40.
3: Yeah. So, according to Pew Research Center, millennials include anyone born between 1981 and 1996. So, that would be ages 23 to 38.
1: Yeah. Come on, man.
3: Yeah. So, when people talk about millennials, though, it's often as though they are like lazy, spoiled kids. Yeah. That haven't moved out of their parents' house because they're too lazy and they don't want to, you know, like that's kind of the label that is stamped onto them.
1: Even me, when I think about a millennial, even though I know the age, because I know what someone is talking about when they start maligning a millennial, they're talking about someone who's like 22, 18 to 22, 23, that's in my head, even though I know they could be... Almost forty years old. Anyway.
3: Yeah. So I came across this interesting article in the pudding.
1: The pudding. Yeah. Wow. And. <laughs> is that a what kind of a publication is that?
3: Um, just one that exists. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, as
1: long as it's not one that doesn't exist.
3: Yeah. According to the pudding, it is a digital publication. Would be
1: better if it was the pudding. No. <laughs> You can't put an apostrophe in or as Donald Trump would call it, a hyphen in a in a web address. Yeah. So it couldn't be the pudding.
3: Yes. Well,
1: proceed. I'm sorry.
3: Okay, thank you. Please stop. It is a digital (laughs) publication that explains ideas debated in culture with visual essays. That is.
1: Of course. Why wouldn't they call it the pudding?
3: Yeah. So, according to this article, what they did was they, um, analyzed articles from June 15th, 2015 to June 15th, 2019 that discussed millennials and their wants or their needs, um, and also things that they killed. Cause you, you were hearing a oh, lot of yeah. this, right? That millennials yeah. killed this, they killed that.
1: Like, Buffalo Wild Wings was like in trouble. And they were blaming it on millennials. Every time one of these shitty restaurants starts stumbling and struggling revenue-wise, they blame it on those entitled millennials who don't like dried-up shitty chicken wings.
3: Yeah, so they ended up looking at 26,565 articles. How many? Twenty six thousand five hundred sixty five wow. articles that discussed millennials wanting, saying, needing, or killing something. Um, so there's been that much discussion yeah. in that in that uh, period of time from 2015 to 2019 about millennials, and um, they were reported as having killed 85 things, okay, um, including marriage.
1: Oh wow! Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Ironing. Ironing. Yes. No more irons for the millennials. Oh, oh, I see th- what they're saying that like there's th- irons aren't being sold anymore.
3: Yes, like so
1: not necessarily killing ironing, they're just killing the purchase of irons.
3: Yeah, well they are marriage is still a thing as well. It is true. Yeah. <laughs> is so true. that still exists. Uh they were reported as having killed napkins.
1: I haven't seen a napkin for years. <laughs> Christmas cards. Oh, yeah. that's a That cottage industry is gone.
3: It's also a tragic loss. Mm-hmm. You know how everyone loves their Christmas cards. Well, the
1: war on Christmas was finally won. Mm. And uh, I guess the millennials were the tip of the spear, as they say.
3: This one is really going to hurt you in particular, Jesse. Uh, millennials cool guys. were reported as, it,
1: <laughs> cool guys as having
3: killed, killed Applebee's.
1: Oh yeah, it really? That breaks my heart.
3: Yeah. Uh, according to these articles, millennials hate beer, which is kind of shocking to me. What? Actually, because of the uh, micro breweries, yeah, craft and,
1: beer mania.
3: Yeah. I. Who is that popular with? If not for millennials, um, millennials. You know the
1: elderly. They really love the the really hoppy IPAs.
3: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's their go-to. Millennials also hate online job applications and just their jobs they also hate their jobs so yeah a lot of generalizing there
1: no way but that is all accurate
3: but you know some of these things i mean ironing a lot of shirts are you don't need to iron them. They're right? non-iron. Like the the technology has evolved, exactly right. and yeah. you get clothes now that maybe don't require that, right?
1: Yeah, I'll, I don't know that I've ironed. I don't have. Can't remember the last time I ironed a dress shirt. Yeah, I mean, I don't wear them except for in videos. Yeah, but they're they are. There's a non-iron technology that's like baked right into the fabric.
3: I can't remember the last time I ironed something only because, well, normally you do that if I need something ironed, (laughs) but also because uh, when I take something to the dry cleaners, they, they do that. They, yeah. they iron the clothing I as bet well.
1: they're ironing stuff.
3: Or just through the process, the wrinkles come out. I don't know what it is, but they take care of it. Or Whatever. you just wear Problem wrinkly clothes. Problem solved, okay? <laughs> Whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> also, is it really a huge loss if we don't have Applebee's anymore? Honestly, go visit a mom and pop shop anyway. Yeah, no kidding. You know, you should be visiting local restaurants, not going to Applebee's. We don't need any of that. not
1: even just to support a mom and pop business, a small business. Don't go to Applebee's because it's fucking gross, man. And also,
3: don't email us about this. We don't want to hear your opinion about Applebee's. If Listen, it doesn't agree if you, with us. If you,
1: if you <laughs> dine at Applebee's proudly and you so much so that you want to email into the show, you're banned from the show. Turn it off. Unsubscribe. We don't want you as a listener.
3: All right. Is that a little extreme? I think it's very extreme. (laughs) Can maybe walk it back a little bit.
1: No, I'm going to stick to my guns on this one.
3: Okay. All right. It's
4: America.
5: (laughs) Love it or leave it.
3: Why are you torturing us with that? I don't know. Don't ever play that again. Uh oh
1: You don't say that.
3: It's making me feel worse, if you can believe it. It's making my my sickness worse.
1: So, thanks a lot. We're going to have to pause the show for a minute while I go search for a napkin. Mm-hmm. very concerned about my lack of napkins. Yeah, yeah. And those are just the ones that you named. I'm sure straws, everything else yeah, yeah. Is, is blamed on millennials.
3: Yeah, well, I, I think a lot of it even with uh, marriage, right? People are delaying getting married because they don't have money.
1: Uh, economic woes, of right? course.
3: Um, or they are just going to school, going to work, whatever. The priorities have shifted, right, in the generation. So those things are just, it's its weird to comment on it as though they're killing this. You know, I think it's much more interesting to write an article discussing the changing cultural norms and why yeah. those things are changing and what's contributing to the change. Well,
1: also to say you're killing something would indicate it's a it's a negative just kind of by virtue of the word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> why is it bad if people are not getting pro pro prolonging their singlehood? Well, what is what's what's bad about that?
3: I, but I've even had to correct people that are millennials when they start. Oh, millennials. Uh, you know, and Yeah. I'm like, hey, how, how old are you? Right. <laughs> You're also a millennial. Right. You know, it's become like a slang word for just younger people. I feel like people are not using it in the correct way. Yeah. I don't know.
1: You know who's doing that? Fucking millennials.
3: Yeah, <laughs> probably.
1: Anyway, well, that's good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I wonder what some of our millennial audience would have to say about that. Yes. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at com. We do have one voicemail to get to. There were a lot that came in. A lot of emails. A lot of voicemails. I kind of fucked us on the voicemail thing because... I, this week, I, I kind of started, a, or last week, I started kind of a new segment on the YouTube channel where mm-hmm. I just kind of sit and talk to the camera Yeah. here in my podcast desk. At my, actually, it's where I work. This is not like some studio set. <laughs> this is where I spend most of my time.
3: Mm-hmm. One more thing.
1: That's one more thing, I'm calling it. And I gave out the phone number for the show because I don't have another number yet. And uh eh, goddamn. Mm-hmm. A lot. Dozens and dozens of calls a day. Mm -hmm. So I got to get something figured out because we need to bifurcate those two things. Mm -hmm. Separate them.
0: Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Anyway. Good luck with that. So let's get to a voicemail before we move on. Kind of along the lines of what I was talking about earlier about kind of being tapped out here with uh, the news cycle.
2: Hey, guys, it's Dan from Oceanside. Just calling in to see how the end of this week left everybody feeling because, you know, if you know anything about me, I'm a, I'm a giant politics fan, and so I follow everything, and this week being one of the more interesting weeks in American history, and I didn't have any crazy uh, deadlines at, at my, my job, which I'm self-employed, so I took a bunch of time and watched a lot of the, like most of the hearings and read the releases and spent probably too much time with all this, and by Friday night, I was like kind of a nervous wreck. Uh, just in general, uh, I tend to have low-level anxiety kind of all the time. But it was really tripping off. It was really tripping all these, like, things that I have in my brain, you know. Um, And I think it's just, at some point, it's not healthy for us to all be this connected to it. And we really need to lean on and find value in people like yourselves uh, who literally their job is to take the news, distill it down into manageable chunks like, hey, here's what matters, here's what doesn't, hey, put a pin in this, it's going to come up later, hey, remember that, that, you know, showed its face here in this hearing or whatever, uh, having people that can do that for you is immensely valuable, and I just wanted to, like, blow blow your horn a little bit, uh, that, and just thank you for the, that you guys do that, and that so we don't all have to be in the weeds with it, you know, all that. And... So I think this, this next week, Adam Schiff is talking about he's going to drop subpoenas early in the week. At this rate, they're working. That means Monday 9 a.m. because they don't they aren't fucking around right now. Um, and so I think I'm going to check in to spot you know who's on the list. But I think after that, I think I'm going to take a break until later in the week or maybe even until we have hearings. Um, I might pop in on a podcast while I'm doing a run or something. But uh, I think I'm going to try to take it easy on the TV news for a little bit. Um, and I just and it's it's nice knowing that there's going to be people that are paying attention to it that'll bring bring things that it should be on my on my radar to my attention when the time comes. Anyways, guys, just wanted to uh, uh, thank you for what you do. Also, anybody who I'm lucky enough I live in California and I'm re- represented by Kamala Harris and Mike Levin, so there's no doubt where they stand on impeachment. They were both very early on, early adopters, very loud, driving the bus doing exactly what I voted for them for. I couldn't be happier as it stands right now for my representatives. That said, I know there's a lot of you that don't live in districts where you can say that. You better get your ass on that phone. You better get to their office. You need to be a living nightmare for your representative if they're either uh, lukewarm about impeachment or if they're staunchly against it. It is It is the time to be a pain in the ass. Anyways, guys, uh, and it, just for all the... Sorry if this is long-winded This is just something that I need to hear And it figures that as it's, it's crazy as this all is It might help some of the other listeners too uh, Sorry for being this long Love the show, Britney's the best part
3: I want to first Love the show, Britney's the best part Bye After that, say <laughs> um, Thank you, Dan, for being a person who uses their ticker while driving We heard it there in the background
1: And by ticker you mean turn signal.
3: Sure, that's what you call it.
1: Direction indicator.
3: And that is very unusual in the state of California. Yes, it is. But it is something that I very much appreciate. I would also like to um, commend you for um, saying blowing our horn rather than "SNRD," which I feel like is more fitting for the show and the terminology <laughs> that is used on the show. Oh,
1: wait, I say toot in the horn. But
3: I appreciate if you felt a little odd saying that you were SNRD. Um... Additionally.
6: <laughs> wow, more. There's more.
3: <laughs> um, thank you for, for that call. Um, I was telling Jesse the other day, and you'll remember this. We were driving home from somewhere and we were in the car and it was like quiet for a little bit. And then I started thinking about everything that was going on with Donald Trump mm-hmm. and I started to, like my heart started racing yeah. and I noticed that I was like getting agitated, like just sitting there in silence. I started to feel yeah. agitated and I told you like, I, I just started feeling agitated, even thinking about everything yeah. that was going on and remembering responses that I had read that were so irrational and yeah. so frustrating. And these events, really do have consequences for us if we are not taking the time to give ourselves breaks from it. And I know I'm not the best at this. I get news alerts all day. I'm reading everything that's happening. Uh, When I have downtime, I'm reading articles. I'm reading the news. So I get it. But I like how Dan said, like he started noticing that he was feeling intense anxiety right and he needed to take a break i think it's important that we all notice when that's happening for ourselves and figure out what the balance looks like for us so that we are prioritizing our mental health absolutely um over being fully informed about every single thing that's going on
1: well you don't have to check out for good right i don't think that's the answer right there's certainly uh somewhere in the middle that would be healthy and uh, taking uh taking a moment that is a consci- conscious break from it is a very healthy thing. And it works for me. Like every six months, every year or so, I'll take like a, a week or 10 days off of social media. And it does kind of invigorate. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you a rest from it. Mm-hmm. Right now, I also feel that kind of, I think Dan called it like a low-level anxiety. I've got that right now for sure. Yeah, And what I'm doing, because I can't, you know, we Really can't take a break. Break, right? We got to be here for it, mm-hmm. and that's fine. That's what we signed up for with yeah. this. Yeah, but but I'm looking forward to our trip to New Orleans. Mm. Th- that's kind of the light at the end of the tunnel for me, where I'm like, only you know three more weeks, three and a half more weeks, whatever it is, four four more weeks, right? You can do this, mm-hmm. and that's that's what I'm doing. So you know, set yourself a goal. If you start getting wigged out a little bit, check out. Uh, Give yourself three, just three whole days where you don't watch the news. There's going to be changes and updates, but if something is cataclysmic that happens, you'll find out even though you've checked out. Right. So. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for the call, Dan. We appreciate it. It's, uh, as he said, historical times. Yes. This is history. I mean, every day is history in the making, Mm -hmm. but not like this.
3: I hadn't really thought about it until Dan said that, that people talk about what the Nixon impeachment was like, right? And what they were doing at that time and what their life looked like. And I'm just imagining the stories that people will tell of, I was listening to this podcast and this is how I stayed informed. It's going to be so (laughs) different, you know, the stories are going to be so different, but it definitely is history in the making right now. And it is just so shameful that uh donald trump is uh in the position that he is in i mean how many times I mean, in the position of power i'm, I'm happy yeah. about the the likely consequences that oh, are about yeah, to happen yeah. but i'm just saying it's very unfortunate that this person was what, elevated to this position of power
1: yeah. what have we done
3: yeah <laughs> i ask myself that on a regular basis yeah,
1: so, yeah. i mean what's a valid question yeah what have we done
3: yeah well hopefully we're learning that lesson hopefully we're learning that lesson
1: I think most of us are
3: the people who were not necessarily loyal to the Republican Party who haven't historically been loyal to conservative principles, but just simply wanted to kind of see the system blow up, right? Wanted to put a wild card in there. Hopefully they understand now the consequences associated with doing that. The very real consequences for vulnerable groups of people, right? It's not just about all the chaos that's happening with impeachment. It's also the terrible things that Donald Trump has done to oppress and harm groups of people.
1: And we're... Inside of all of the impeachment news we're going to cover today, and there's a lot of it. In fact... Let's just do this. One again, thank you for the call, Dan. We appreciate it very much. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to it at dolomore.com. Let's do the mid-roll and get
7: right into the show. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with
3: we have two new Patreon supporters. Nice. Mary. Mary. And Andrew. Andrew. Thank you so much to Mary and Andrew for your beautiful and loyal support of the show. Fantastic. We would not be doing this without the support of our Patreon supporters and our supporters on PayPal and the supporters who shop through the Amazon affiliate link at dollamore.com. We also wouldn't be here without the people who just listen to us and support the show by listening to to it and sharing it with their friends. Um, make sure that you like the Facebook page. I doubt it with Dollamore Podcast, and that you follow um, our accounts on Twitter and Instagram at I Doubt It Podcast at Dollamore at Brittany E Page. That is how you can stay connected to us in between episodes where we post updates. Uh, Jesse's YouTube videos go up on those, those channels and also articles that you can comment on and interact with people who are uh, commenting on that page. Sometimes trolls though. So you gotta be careful. There are the trolls. Um, And we don't typically ban people from the Facebook page until they start uh, being abusive um, or just show that they are not genuine characters. It's not really only happened like a handful of times. Yeah, I think. yeah yeah, it doesn't happen very often, but just so you know, it's not always useful or productive to have a conversation <laughs> there. okay? All right.
1: All right, let's move on Stalemocracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So last week, our two episodes that we did uh, revolved around the deluge of information and headlines related to impeachment, related to the Ukraine call, the whistleblower complaint. Uh, There should have been an and in between those two things. And today we're going to start by talking about, because we read the transcript of the Ukraine call, the summary, the call summary, which Donald Trump, by the way is now saying that it's a word-for-word transcript, and that's not the case. It says right on the cover of the transcript summary that it is not a word-for-word readout of the call.
3: It's, It's honestly to the point where what is even the point of hearing him talk about anything? Yeah. He just, it's just constant lies. I mean, we're going to get into what happened today with the press conference later, but it's just still so frustrating because they have protected themselves from having to answer to the press. And when they do interact with the press, it's just constant lies. So it, it's, it's very frustrating. It's,
1: well, it's weird. It's, it's all here's, here's what's very strange to me. It's that you've got these, and it shouldn't be strange to me anymore, but it still is. You've got this party of Republicans out there who every ridiculous thing that Donald Trump does, they take it as though, they take it and isolate it as though it's a one-off. Yeah. They don't put it into the bevy of other things, the multiplicity.
3: The patterns. The
1: un mm-hmm. amount of things, number of things that he's done fucking, that is beyond the pale. They're just, the, each individual one, well, that's because of this. They don't like, oh yeah, dude, this is kind of a pattern of this guy being a dipshit. Right. So let's talk, re- really briefly, let's talk about the whistleblower report that was also released to Congress, which revealed in it, not only the goings-on, the chicanery the the extortion attempt by donald trump the bribe offered by donald trump to the ukrainian president zelensky but but also the fact that there were there was a uh, a cover up inside the white house by filing away these particular conversations like i'm i'm getting ahead of myself because it's headlines we learned later but that they are filing these, uh, these conversations on a secure server. So secure. It's code word secure. High, high top secret level stuff that it's going to limit the people who have access to it. They say it was because of leaks. I think it's more rational to believe that it is because they, they want to hide these problematic conversations from the light of day, from the media, from reporting from the american people ultimately so that is where we are going to begin that that happened that's a thing the whistle that's ultimately that's kind of the 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 rub of the whistleblower complaint.
3: Well, the most r- remarkable thing about all this is that they released the summary of the transcript. Yes. And I want to make sure we keep calling it the summary of I, the transcript. I'm trying hard. Because I noticed this with the media, too. They'll report on it. And sometimes they'll start out saying the summary of the transcript and then fall into saying transcript. I yeah. think it's important to, to say that. Um But the summary of the transcript perfectly mapped on to what was written in the whistleblower's complaint.
1: Absolutely.
3: Now, the remarkable thing that is happening here is Donald Trump, Kevin McCarthy, Lindsey Graham, Jim Jordan, all the usual suspects. For sure. Stephen Miller. They're coming out and they are basically saying that the summary of the transcript of the call. um, There's nothing in there that is problematic. And also that the whistleblower complaint has all kinds of things wrong with it. There was a motive. There's clear political bias. Right. None
1: of that. Anybody knows.
3: And just adding in all of these suspicions for people to have where there is no evidence for these suspicions. Um, And even as you read it, I don't think that that's the case with the whistleblowers complaints. They are very thorough They um, see where there may be questions or roadblocks put in their place. And so they preemptively reference specific statutes so that, they made it more solid, right? Yeah, they yeah. made their argument more solid. So I think that possibly might be where they're getting the bias angle. I'm, I'm not sure. Of course, they're just making it up out of thin air, like most things, but it, it's been pretty remarkable to watch the spin happen. Um, knowing what we read, what we all read, the shared knowledge that we all have, and then having them come on TV and try to present this like very clearly false version of reality.
1: Well, I wanted to take this kind of chronological from the date of the whistleblower complaint, but we're going to kind of be all over the place. There's really no way to do it. The other thing that's happening right now is it's being reported that Adam Schiff had contact with the whistleblower prior to all of this news coming out, which, by the way, don't let anybody fool you into thinking that that's unusual. It is not unusual. During Benghazi, whistleblowers were coming to Congress to Republicans All over the place. It's how it works. So...
3: Was it contact with him? Or was it just that the outline of the allegations were provided to Adam Schiff so he had knowledge of what what was going
1: to be coming forward? Well, the reporting right now is that, but it's not even Adam Schiff. It's a staffer on the Intelligence Committee, Mm -hmm. which has, has oversight of these matters. It's not like they went to... To some random in Congress. They're going to someone who has the authorized clearance to even know the details that they're being told.
3: Well, that's what I mean. So you just said that it's not being reported that it's Adam Schiff. It's being reported that Adam Schiff learned about the outlines of the complaint, but I don't believe the reporting is saying that he had contact with this person. Donald Trump is trying to say that Adam Schiff helped write the complaint with the whistleblower. Again,
1: Nonsense. Completely unsubstantiated, trying to muddy the waters. And
3: it's remarkable that we have a president of the United States who's just saying that. Yeah. With no evidence.
1: Right. Well, Donald Trump right now is on tape describing the whistleblower as not a whistleblower who has protections under law. That his, his anonymity, his identity should be protected. His job should be protected. And Donald Trump refers to him as a spy and that back in the old days that's how we used to deal with them. we used to kill
0: But basically that person never saw the report never saw the call meaning never saw the call heard something and decided that he or she whoever the hell it is sort of like almost a spy I want to know who's the person that gave the whistleblower who's the person that gave the whistleblower the information because that's close to a spy You know what we used to do in the old days when we were smart, right? The spies and treasons. We used to handle it a little differently than we do now.
1: (laughs) And they laugh. Fucking monsters in the audience who enjoy living under the auspices of democracy and a free society laugh when the leader of the country makes a quote-unquote joke about killing someone who is outing... Dangerous behavior, unethical behavior, corrupt behavior of a sitting United States president. Endangering national security. Withholding military aid from a country unless they do his personal political bidding.
3: I don't know about other people, but I have seen in my own connections the reality of Donald Trump's statement where he said he could shoot somebody on fifth yeah. Avenue and not lose any support.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
3: And I think that Donald Trump is even kind of surprised by that. Right. Like sure. how he's been able to sell himself and, and this rabid fan base that he has. Well, but,
1: he's got to think, ah oh, these hot, these dummies.
3: Yeah. Well, he loves the poorly educated.
1: He does,
3: but uh, I've seen it right. These people who they're not waiting for evidence. They already believe.
1: You've seen several posts already. Um, Yeah. Still support the guy.
3: Right. And it's pretty much no matter what. Right. They're not waiting. Oh, well, let's see what kind of information comes out. We'll see what happens here. Right. Yeah. It's not waiting to accumulate more evidence to then make a decision. It's I support him no matter what he says.
1: No matter what he says or does. Right. No matter how much he damages the Republic, they're behind him. Well, it is turning out. The reporting right now is that it's not just a conversation between uh, Donald Trump and the Ukrainian president that has been hidden away in this code word level server. It's also Russian conversations with, with Vladimir Putin and bin Salman, Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia.
8: We have learned of more Trump phone calls that the White House tried to keep secret. CNN learning this hour, the White House also tried to limit access to President Trump's conversations with two controversial dictators, the Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and the Russian leader Vladimir Putin. The conversation with the Saudi Prince uh, that we understand uh, was, was treated differently occurred when Trump was siding with the Crown Prince over U.S. intelligence and the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. Shows yet another part of the whistleblower complaint may be true. To back to quote the complaint again. According to White House officials I spoke with, this is the whistleblower, this was, quote, not the first time under this administration that a presidential transcript was placed into this code word level system solely for the purpose of protecting politically sensitive rather than national security sensitive information. Now, we don't know yet if these additional calls were put on the super secure system, but what we do know happened to them is stunning, and we have more on that in just a moment. I want to make sure you also know this. These developments are coming as the White House itself is admitting a key part of the whistleblower complaint regarding the the call between Trump and the president of Ukraine is true. The White House confirms tonight the transcript of Trump's call with the Ukrainian president was filed in that separate highly classified system at the direction of National Security Council attorneys. The big question this hour is who told those lawyers to do something so unprecedented and outside protocol? Because according to the Washington Post, the transfer could only happen at the direction of someone at the highest levels of this administration, such as the chief of staff or the national security advisor. Pamela Brown is out front in Washington. And, and Pamela, you broke this story on the phone calls. Uh, stunning. The whistleblower complaint says more calls were treated in extremely rare ways. You now know what some of them were. Tell us what you know.
9: That's right, Aaron. White House efforts to limit access to President Trump's conversation with foreign leaders extended to phone calls with Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and Russian leader Vladimir Putin. This is according to uh, several people familiar with the matter, uh, familiar with those calls. Now, both the leaders who maintain controversial relationships that we just mentioned, uh, both of them maintain controver- cur- controversial relationships with Trump, with Trump, they were among the presidential conversations that aides took remarkable steps, Aaron, to keep from becoming public. Now, in the case of Trump's call with Prince Mohammed, officials who ordinarily would have been given access to a rough transcript of the conversation never saw one, according to one of the sources. Instead, Aaron, a transcript was never even circulated at all, which the source said was highly unusual, particularly after a high-profile conversation. Now, the call, which the person said contained no especially sensitive national security, secrets came as the White House was confronting the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi, which U.S. intelligence assessments said came at the hand of the Saudi government, as you know. Now, with Putin, access to transcripts of at least one of Trump's conversations there was also tightly restricted, according to a former Trump administration officials. So I'm trying to imagine the
3: alternate universe where Hillary Clinton became president. Yeah. And we found out that she was uh, <laughs> hiding her conversations in this way. And what Hannity's show would look like, what Laura Ingram's oh show God. would look can like. Oh my God, can you imagine? Well, I mean, they're still talking about the acid washed emails and all the cover up and uh, they still talk about it. Even though Hillary Clinton, like, what is she even doing? She's I'll tell you what she's doing. She just wrote a new book, I guess.
1: She's burning them on Twitter. Her new job is just being snarky on Twitter. Oh, but my emails like she's responding to people and being funny. Uh Not a candidate, not a politician anymore. Not relevant any longer.
3: Right. But they have to keep the distraction going. Right. And that's the point. But it's frustrating to recognize because they're Shepard Smith. Right. He has been in a position and even Chris Wallace the past uh, couple of days, they have been in a position where they have to counter the talking points that are on their their own network. Yeah, Yeah. Just at a different time. And Shepard Smith has actually been quite forceful. In some of his responses, particularly in attacks on Judge Napolitano for his opinions about impeachment, um, the impeachment issue. Yeah. And because
1: he is he's agreeing. And remember, uh, Judge Napolitano hasn't always been on the right side of things. He's the one who, who said that the the British were were specifically asked to do things that, that were on not on the up and up. He's he's been kind of a dick face about some of this stuff. And now he's given some salient political opinion or legal opinion on the matter right. that, yeah, this is not good.
3: Yeah. And then like what typically happens with the Fox audience is if you are out of step with the president, if you do you something attacked. that he doesn't like, then you get attacked. And so Shepard Smith was defending Judge no- Judge Napolitano from those attacks. But it, it's just it's odd over there because <laughs> yeah. you have like two to people say the least. <laughs> two people that are uh, on the TV regularly with Fox News that are trying to push back against the other 20 hours of trash that is being presented.
1: Yeah. Well, and it is, it's not, I mean, all the headlines right now are trash because they're all Trump related. It's, It's almost like when the Me Too movement happened, first got off the ground, and women felt comfortable now. Oh, this is being reported i feel safe to come forward that i'll also be believed uh this kind of thing is happening right now in the news cycle related to donald trump that all of these headlines are starting to break and people are are feeling more comfortable going to reporters and and giving their accounts of certain things for instance and we're kind of following the chronological line here The meeting that Donald Trump had back in May of 2017 in the Oval Office with the Russians, with Sergei Lavrov and Sergei Kislyak, where he outed the Israeli uh, embedded source that was giving them intel on ISIS in Syria. Something else happened in that meeting related to Donald Trump telling the Russians, yeah, I don't care that you guys interfered.
4: One breaking story after another tonight. This is another big one. Uh, The Washington Post has it. just went up on their website. And I just want to read the lead from this Washington Post story. I'm quoting, President Trump told two senior Russian officials in a 2017 Oval Office meeting that he was unconcerned about Moscow's interference in the U.S. election because the United States did the same in other countries, an assertion that prompted alarmed White House officials to limit access to their remarks to an unusually small number of people, according to three former officials with knowledge of the matter. Joining us right now is senior national security analyst and retired CIA chief of Russia operations, Steve Hall. Uh, Steve, first of all, this is the story is just now breaking. I'm wondering what your reaction to this, if the Washington Post reporting is correct, the president telling, uh, you know, two Russians, Russian ambassador, Sergei Kislyak, that he's unconcerned about what Russia did in the election. (laughs) Anderson, I mean, the word horrific comes to mind. Um, I mean,
1: when first of all, it's tacit acknowledgement that the president was aware or understood that the Russians had indeed done this. And then secondly, s- simply decides to sort of blow it off and say, well, you know, it's not that important because, you know, I-, I guess we do that sort of thing, too, according to the president. Remember, he said things like this in the past, you know, when 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 he was confronted with Russia's, you know, authoritarian approach to killing journalists and that sort of thing. You remember the president said, well, you know, we... We've done things like that too. So this is sort of a common theme apparently in this president, which is to say, ah, don't worry about it. You know, everybody does bad things. Uh, you know, whether it's in Charlottesville, there's bad people on both sides, or that we do things that we're accusing the Russians of. I mean, I don't understand how this is in any sense uh, presidential or or good for U.S. national security. It's it's appalling. Let me ask this question: Where the fuck was Runt's Brinks previous previous during the goddamn? Where the fuck was Reince Priebus...
3: Or whatever his name is. ...during
1: all of this? Where are these Republicans who've fucking humped the flag for years (laughs) with their bullshit patriotism, acting like they love the Republic and God bless America? Where the fuck are they? While Donald Trump is telling the enemy, a hostile foreign enemy... I don't care that you guys inter- interfered in our our democracy because uh, we've done that shit over time, too. You guys are cool.
3: As long as he's willing to prop up evangelical causes, I don't think that they care.
1: And why is he so obsequious to Russia? That question still hasn't been answered.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And you're right about the evangelical thing. Oh, thank you. Which we're going to get to because <laughs> we got Robert Jeffress threatening civil war, and then Donald Trump retweeting it. But not yet. The next headline, in chronological order this week, was that the president of Ukraine, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky, wasn't the only foreign leader that Donald Trump put pressure on. hmm tried to enlist in his mission to debunk claims of in, that our intelligence community is solid on, yeah, and to try to dig up dirt on his political enemies, there were others.
10: CNN has learned that President Trump also leaned on Australia's prime minister for assistance, a source telling our Evan Perez that the president wanted the Australians to help with the Justice Department probe into the origins of the Mueller investigation. And Evan, you're joining us now. Um we talk about the Ukraine call. That's about a future election. Right. This is about discrediting the origins of the Mueller report, which looked into the past election.
6: Right, exactly. And this is why uh, certainly the Justice Department now is is openly acknowledging that this happens. They say uh, that this has to do with, uh, with uh, the attorney general's investigation that's being done uh, to look at what happened in 2016. And they look at it as certainly looking at what may have been foreign election interference in the 2016 election and that includes uh, intelligence that may have come from ukraine and from other countries that was used uh, essentially against candidate trump and that that became obviously the Mueller investigation and so uh, we're told that uh, the attorney general has asked the president to help essentially uh, prod other governments to cooperate with this investigation and it's not just australia but there are a number of other countries that we know of that provided intelligence to uh, to what became the Mueller investigation that includes the United Kingdom that includes the Netherlands that includes uh, Italy Cyprus uh, any number of countries that provided information that ended up in that investigate that ended up in the Mueller probe uh, you can bet those are the countries that they're targeting and so we have a statement now from uh, Carrie Kupek, the uh, spokeswoman for uh, for Attorney General Barr and he, she says quote at Attorney General Barr's uh, Att- Attorney General Barr's request the President has contacted other countries to ask them to introduce the attorney general and Mr. Durham, that's John Durham, the prosecutor who's doing this investigation, to appropriate officials. They are pretty open about it.
10: And so I think what people might be surprised to learn is that there's sort of some latitude, right, for the U.S. government to ask for help uh, from allies when it comes to investigations. The Ukraine thing is different, though. People, the observers, the DOJ, they, they see that differently?
6: Uh, they do see the difference, obviously, because the president on that, on the call that the transcript of which was released last, last week, you hear the president saying to the Ukrainian president that he wants help essentially for dirt on his prospective possible rival in the 2020 election. That makes, that's a huge difference because everybody, I think the Democrats are certainly looking at it as Uh, You're trying to get foreign help on a future election, which is exactly what uh, they say happened in 2016 as well.
1: So let's do that thought experiment one more time. What if Hillary Clinton or what if Barack Obama in 2012 had done this same fucking thing? Mm -hmm. Republicans would be burning him in effigy, if not in real life storming the gates of the fucking White House. And all we get is fucking crickets.
3: Well, all we get is talk of things that aren't relevant anymore um, to try to distract.
1: What also is very weird is that the Attorney General of the United States Mm -hmm. is going to foreign leaders trying to get them to substantiate debunked, conspiracy theories. Yeah. which Which reminds me of the time when he sat in. I don't have a clip for it on the board. But it reminds me when he was in the hearing that day and Kamala Harris was asking him, have you ever been asked to investigate anyone? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm just kind of grappling with the word ask. Uh, blah, blah, blah.
3: Yeah, it makes you wonder how deep he was during that time. Yeah. Right? And what he wasn't actually being forthcoming and honest about.
1: I would like to know his involvement before he wrote that memo. Yes. Like, around the time he wrote the 19 or 18-page memo, mm-hmm. Uh I would like to know that, about there being no basis for the investigation. Right. Because he seems thick as thieves. They got him caught up uh pretty quickly, mm-hmm. up to speed. Yeah. So... That leads us to Donald Trump admitting that he's trying to find out the identity of the whistleblower in direct contravention of the statute, which protects, fundamentally protects the identity, the job of the whistleblower. Donald Trump calling him a spy. There's been reporting that they've had to... uh, uh, illicit federal protection for this individual. There's been some pushback on that, but that was at one point reported. Because if you are in a position to bring down this president, what do you think these rabid fucking MAGA hats are gonna do?
3: Yeah, I think the whistleblower's attorney, I believe, pushed back on that. But what may have been true about those reports is that the whistleblower is concerned about their safety.
6: Yes, they should be.
3: I believe that that is likely what prompted the discussion of all that.
5: President Trump suggested to reporters the White House is trying to discover the identity of the whistleblower whose complaint launched the Ukraine investigation. The president is on the attack, warning the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, could be arrested for treason and that the country could be drawn into a civil war if he's impeached I'm told aides of the president have cautioned him just in the last few days he faces the real likelihood of impeachment <laughs> in a sign of growing frustration that he faces the real prospect of impeachment president Trump is demanding to find out the identity of the administration official who blew the whistle on his phone call with the leader of Ukraine about Joe Biden
0: well we're trying to find out about a whistleblower you have a
5: whistleblower that
0: Reports things that were incorrect. As you know, and you probably now have figured it out, uh, the statement I made to the president of Ukraine, a good man, a nice man, knew, uh, was perfect. It was perfect.
5: That drew a quick response from the whistleblower's attorney, who tweeted, The intel community whistleblower is entitled to anonymity. Law and policy support this, and the individual is not to be retaliated against. Doing so is a violation of federal law. Lobbing grenades from his social media bunker, the president tore into House Intelligence Committee Chairman Adam Schiff for mocking Mr. Trump's call at a hearing last week, tweeting Adam Schiff illegally made up a fake and terrible statement, arrest for treason. It's a disgrace.
0: This whole thing is a disgrace.
5: There's been tremendous corruption, and
0: we're seeking it. It's called drain the swamp. There's been corruption on the other side.
5: There's been corruption like you've never seen. White House aides have grown frustrated with Mr. Trump's clinging to a bogus conspiracy theory that it was Ukraine, not Russia, that meddled in the 2016 election. A false claim, former counterterrorism advisor Tom Bossert says he's tried to ask the president to abandon.
2: And at this point, I am deeply frustrated with what he and the legal team is doing and repeating that debunked theory to the president. It sticks in his mind when he hears it over and over again. And for clarity here, George, let me just again... Repeat that it has no validity.
5: Over the weekend, the president warned his removal from office would cause a civil war-like fracture. That prompted one House Republican to tweet, I have visited nations ravaged by civil war. I've never imagined such a quote to be repeated by a president. This is beyond repugnant.
1: This is beyond repugnant. Adam Kinzinger, Republican. Lieutenant Colonel in the Air Force Reserves.
3: How many Republicans... How many prominent Republicans, because I don't really think he's a prominent Republican. How many prominent Republicans have pushed back on Donald Trump in the past few days? Zero. Yeah, that's what I've seen. too. Only
1: two have, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're, you know, not well known. Yeah. Not well known. It's a problem. It's absolutely a problem. So listen, th- this, th- this is primarily about Donald Trump, one. Repeating the claim on Twitter. We're going to actually let's play the clip first. Let's talk about the Civil War thing. Then we'll talk about the arrest for treason thing. Then we'll talk about demonizing the whistleblower further. Robert Jeffress is a nutter butter asshole. Just a fucking war on Christmas moron. Mm
3: hmm. That's regular commentator on Fox regular. News. Regular.
1: That's kind of how he got his start—is showing up on 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 Fox on and Friends, O'Reilly, and Fox and Friends, talking about the war on Christmas.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: He's on Fox and Friends th- this time, and they ask him one because Nancy Pelosi said something about we got to be sober about this, we got to be prayerful and thoughtful about this process, and then he kind of like mocks her religious uh, attributions. Well, her religion is this or this. You know, he's a dumbass. Because
3: Democrats can't be
1: religious. That's right. In his view. And then he goes on to make that statement about there will be a civil war-like fracturing of this country.
10: Nancy Pelosi pushing a solemn message this weekend amid her party's push to impeach impeach the president.
4: This is a very sad time for our country. This is no joy in this it's sad we must be somber we must be prayerful and we must pursue the facts further to make a decision as to did this violate the constitution of the united states which i believe it did
5: well our next guest warns this could lead to irreparable division in america
7: fox news contributor and host of pathway to victory on fox nation pastor robert jefferson joins us now Uh, Pastor, thanks for joining us on this Sunday. Nancy Pelosi says we need to be somber and prayerful as we impeach this president. I think it's hard to take Nancy Pelosi's call to prayer seriously. I mean, it reminds me of a pyromaniac with a match in hand about to set fire to a building saying, please pray with me that the damage I'm about to cause isn't too severe. I mean, if you're really sincere about that prayer, then put down the dang match. But Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats (laughs) can't put down the impeachment match. Uh, They know they couldn't beat him in 2016 against Hillary Clinton they're increasingly aware of the fact that they won't win against him in 2020 and impeachment is the only tool they have to get rid of donald trump and the democrats don't care if they burn down and destroy this nation in the process
10: pastor the evangelical vote in this country is obviously a voting block that all candidates pay serious attention to what do you think the reaction is of evangelical voters around the country to this news of impending potential impeachment
7: Look, I don't pretend to speak for all evangelicals, but this week I have been traveling the country and I've literally spoken to thousands and thousands of evangelical Christians. I have never seen them more angry over any issue than this attempt to illegitimately remove this president from office, uh, overturn the 2016 election, and negate the votes of millions of evangelicals in the process. And they know that the only impeachable offense President Trump has committed was beating Hillary Clinton in 2016. That's the unpardonable sin for which the Democrats will never forgive him. And I do want to make this prediction this morning. If the Democrats are successful in removing the president from office, I'm afraid it will cause a civil war-like fracture in this nation from which this country will never heal.
3: So I was reading Donald Trump's four tweet thread.
7: Yeah, which is just that
3: yeah but it's actually not totally accurate,
1: oh really? yeah, it's like different.
3: He added a that where there wasn't one. Huh. I know that's not a big deal, but he also like um omitted parts of the quote and kind of skipped forward but didn't indicate that he was skipping forward Oh yeah, because
1: he doesn't know how quoting works
3: and then he also <laughs> he put in parentheses um if the democrats are successful in removing the president from office parenthetical that's which they happen. never will be yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. just donald trump's addition that's not what he said but yeah. that you you wouldn't think that because it's parentheses right, right? <laughs> Um And then He
1: doesn't know how to use brackets
3: Yeah And then <laughs> Donald Trump continued and wrote It will cause a civil war He didn't just say that I forgot what he said um, Yeah wow. He said like I, I believe it will Or something like that Um. Also At one point Robert Jeffress Just said Donald Trump And Donald Trump Wrote out Donald J. Trump
1: <laughs> He likes his full name
3: Anyway I know those were like Minor things But just so you know It's not totally accurate
1: Alright <laughs> Well, listen. Still dumb. Apart Still from dumb. that, for the president of the United States to tweet a four tweet thing and it's not a retweet. He quoted this guy, which is like an endorsement of this idea.
3: Yeah, he's like pausing the TV, type 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 type, play, pause. I
1: wondered, you think that's how it goes down or does he have a staffer like, "Hey, get that quote and send it to me?" Um it's got to be Donald Trump cuz the staffer's going to get it right if the president asks for it. Yeah,
3: I think he's just in there like in a dark room with the bright TV just kind of staring at it with open Cheeseburger eyes. Cheeseburger in
1: one hand, iPhone in the other.
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> just dripping and self-loathing.
1: Well, there was a there was a a moment. Well, first of all, listen. For a sitting president of this union, to advocate for, to even bring up talking about a possibility of a civil war is impeachable. That in and of itself is impeachable. So all of this talk from the Democrats about we're going to rush right through this. Oh, yeah, we're going to hit the ground running. We got to get this done before Christmas. That's insane. One, I don't think it's possible to do that because of the breakneck pace of all the other information that's going to come out that you're going to have to spend... Uh, appropriate time investigating. but there's another part of this this little screed that he was saying that that struck me
7: and it's this. I've literally spoken to thousands and thousands of evangelical Christians. I have never seen them more angry over any issue than this attempt to illegitimately remove this president from office, uh, overturn the 2016 election, and negate the votes of millions of evangelicals in the process.
1: So evangelical Christians are less angry about abortion about the quote-unquote murder of millions of babies than they are about the removal of Donald Trump from office. Abortion? Eh, no biggie. Impeaching Donald Trump? Blind fury and rage. Get the fuck out of here. That doesn't make any sense. This guy's a liar. He's
3: talked to thousands and thousands of people in one day.
1: Right, thousands of them.
3: <laughs> he didn't say one day, but Well, it's a lot of people that he's talking to.
1: Listen, he he he's if he they're communicating to him that they're they've never been so angry, that means that he just didn't talk to them like in a sermon. Mm-hmm. That also means that they responded to communicate to him that they are they've never been angrier about anything. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Anything that's ever happened, evangelicals are not angrier about that than this. Yes. That is fucking nonsense. (laughs) The other thing that is nonsense that we're going to end with today, and then we're going to pick up tomorrow with episode 548 with the press conference that happened today and all of that bullshit where he refused to answer a critical question. That'll be tomorrow. But first, before we end, is Donald Trump in border talks strategy relative to policy about the border, about wanting to shut down the border, about wanting flesh piercing spikes at the top of his wall like it's some medieval fucking castle, Uh. alligator and snake filled moats or moots. As he tweeted uh, today.
3: (laughs) And you know, this is true, by the way. You know that he said this because he went on Twitter. Yes, that's right. And challenged it and was like, how dare you try to say that I actually wanted this stuff? More fake
1: news. Also, though, he tweeted or he, he suggested that we shoot migrants, desperate migrants in the legs to slow their incursion into the United States.
10: We're back now with our analysts and a stunning new report just out from the New York Times. Um, I want to read part of what is in this report coming from Michael Shear and Julie Hirschfeld Davis of the Times. This is based uh, at least partially on a meeting that was happening in the Oval Office. And according to the Times, this article is based on interviews with more than a dozen White House and admin officials directly involved in the events of this week in March. Here's what it says. Key passage. Privately, the president had often talked about fortifying a border wall with a water-filled trench stocked with snakes or alligators, prompting aides to seek a cost estimate. He wanted the wall electrified with spikes on top that would pierce human flesh. After publicly suggesting that soldiers shoot migrants if they threw rocks, the president backed off when his staff told him that was illegal. But later in a meeting, aides recalled he suggested that they shoot migrants in the legs to slow them down that's not allowed either, they told him. Uh And at another point, he said, you are making me look like an idiot to some of these aides. Uh, he shouted, adding in a profanity, as multiple officials in the room described it, I ran on this. It's my issue. Dana? He did run on it,
11: and it is his issue. And first of all, we know uh Michael and Julie, they have been working on this book, a book that they have on immigration coming out soon for months and months and months, probably more than a year. And we all, we know from our own reporting on immigration for the past two years, how irate the president has gotten at various points at his own staff, including, and maybe especially, his former Homeland Security Secretary, uh, Kirsten Nielsen, uh, for, in his, from his perspective, not pushing hard enough. Not just her, but other aides as described by this report. One other quote in here that is, um, certainly going to get a lot of buzz. Where he allegedly says to his homeland security secretary at the time, Kirsten, "You didn't hear me the first time, honey." Mr. Trump said, according to two people familiar with the conversation, "Shoot him down, sweetheart. Just shoot him out of the sky, okay?" Um, that can is. we? The <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, these are yeah. human beings. These are right. human beings, right? The,
10: these are. He is not speaking about. Human beings, as if yeah. they're just to be, be, just I mean, to be clear. You know, Scott, out of the sky I was talking about drones. His, yes, his, his, okay, his, drones. I'm talking about his the desire to the, use the, drones on the border. Yes, and and flesh piercing spikes on electrified fences, and
7: and alligators and snakes. I mean, you know, this is and you know. We have to decide. I mean, one of the issues about the Trump years is we have to decide really what kind of country we are. I mean, because if you want to stop people like they are animals, maybe you do put uh, alligators in. But if you want to treat desperate people who are trying to get into the United States like human beings, you don't even consider insanity like this, much less separating them from their young children once they manage to get here.
3: I think we need more of these moments Uh, In reporting Where they just paused And it was He's talking about human beings here Like we need to kind of have a reality check here Let's really get on the ground with this yeah, And be honest about what, what we're talking about here
1: Also It's clear that Donald Trump Is a fucking idiot who's just watched Too many movies and TV If you shoot someone in the leg There is a high likelihood They will never walk right again You don't just like, oh, I got shot. I'm going to continue to run away from the cops. It is. It slowed
3: Bruce Willis down in Die
1: Hard, though. Yeah, right. That's exactly right. It's too much Die Hard for Donald Trump.
3: Yeah. Invisible planes.
1: That's that's not how a bullet wound works.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Especially from the kind of weaponry that Donald Trump would like to have them shot with.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: But Jeffrey Tubin's right there. What kind of a country do we want to live in? And I I know the answer when I talk to, to the audience. But MAGA hats everywhere. What kind of country do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a country where we have flesh piercing spikes on the top of a fence to harm someone who only wants a better life? Do you want to fill a fucking moat? Do you want a president who thinks it's rational and reasonable to fill a moat with gators and snakes, ostensibly to kill migrants and refugees? I would just—I really like someone to genuinely answer that question.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Do we want to live in a country where we're firing deadly weapons? At women holding their babies. Because this wasn't a joke. This was a development of policy, and this is where Donald Trump went. This is where his fucking mind goes.
3: It's also, all those quotes that they discussed, you can hear him saying those things. Of course. I mean, it sounds just like something he would say. So... It's hard to believe when he tries to say that these things are fake news. When
1: It's impossible to believe.
3: We're so accustomed to hearing these crazy things right from your mouth, dude. Yeah, yeah. If you don't want us to believe these reports, then behave differently.
1: Well, it, just quit.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean that... Well, that would be th-
1: a part of behaving differently. That's
3: yes, but... <laughs> come on now when it fits so perfectly with your lifelong pattern of behavior yeah the way that you talk about people oppressed groups the way that you talk to women
1: right Uh, calling her honey yeah Kirsten uh, uh, Nielsen
3: yeah we get that we know
1: yeah Uh,
3: that's how you talk to women we're not surprised
1: anyway we're gonna end there uh, tomorrow we will get to the uh, the conference, the press conference that had today. We'd love to hear from you. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit it at dollamore.com.
3: We need to talk about Bernie Sanders. And oh, his health right. on the yeah. next episode. We're also interested to know what you guys think about that. What are your feelings? How do you think it's going to affect things? What do you want to see happen? Um, like Jesse just gave the number, but you should put it in your phone 657 464 7609 or I doubt it at com.
1: Also, if you have been on the fence thinking about, ah, should I throw a couple bucks their way every month on Patreon? Now would be a great time. We, 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 we think we work very hard. I know we work very hard. <laughs> I was going to say. I think we put out a very good product. I know it's hard work. I, I just, the claim of how good it is, eh, that could be debated. Mm. <laughs> All right. But we would love to have you support us. Help us produce this content twice a week is, is a rough schedule, everybody. And we would love your help doing it. Go to dollamore.com slash Patreon and uh, check it out. Give it a thought. If not, you can always rate and review the show. We've gotten some fantastic reviews the past few days. And we would love to have you add yours to the list on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, everybody. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dolamore, and this has been I Doubt It. God damn. It's cuz
3: I'm sick. Everything that I do wrong is because of my illness. <laughs>